Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. I'm very excited to be here. The, um, is anyone else very excited in the moment that we are in? Yeah. Really, I am. Ever since, I mean, it's probably been a year since we started talking about a quantum shift. Um, and it's, we are smack in the middle now of 40 days of praying, just finishing Romans. And for me, that's felt like a, a very good, in the right way, preparation for us to then go into Joshua. Joshua, the book of the Bible, where the people of Israel took more ground than any other book in the Bible. They took more of what they were deserved and what they were promised than in any other time in the Bible. And I, I speak, especially in our family, we really strongly believe that we are coming into something that is incredibly exciting for where the kingdom is moving into. The I am very excited for us all then to corporately take more and more land, take it together, because we are, we're in this together, and if that's one thing I want to talk to you about today, it's the fact that we are side by side, but we're also looking up, and it's very important, we have a responsibility to each other. I love this church very, very much. When I walk out of here on a Sunday morning, I feel like I've been breathing pure oxygen for two and a half hours or three hours if you manage to make the prayer meeting. The, um, the, could you just turn to the people next to you and just say, I love the fact we're in the body of Christ together. Good. <laughs> There's maybe a bit more. <laughs> um, the, I mark it as a huge privilege to be in the body next to you, all of you, and I mean that. The Stefan, every time, where's Stefan? Every time I come into contact with you, Stefan has this spirit spring inside of him that almost cannot not encourage you. There is, honestly, spend time with that man. He'll tell you about the truth of God. Fiona, when you worship, I want to worship. That's huge. Ethan Baxton, where are you? He is a man older than the years that he's got on his birth certificate, and I love the way you love God. It really inspires me. I love this body so much. So my title for today is Stand Side by Side, Looking Up. And I want to use some examples from the Word and from my life, my recent life, uh, to talk about how important it is and the responsibilities we have when we are standing side by side. I love, I mean, John and Margaret, that, it was like the perfect introduction. Thank you very much. Like, yeah. the, it really is a great responsibility that we have to the brothers and sisters standing on our left and on our right. It, it's really significant, especially when you join a church, even more so. The preaching over the last eight weeks, obviously before that as well, has been quite brilliant, I would say. Um, and I really am very blessed by the people that hone their craft and very much listen to God, and they bring us something sharpened, really from God, directly into our situations. And some of the people that have spoken over the last few weeks, I have verbatim taken some of the things that they've said, because I want to use it as a direction for where we're going to travel today. So you may have heard some of the things that I'm going to say today. You definitely will have heard some of them that I've said before, but I think God has got an encouragement for us specifically about how we are to be in the body with each other. So, Andrew, 
excellently spoke a few weeks ago about waging war with the word. And one of the points that he spoke about, I, in, in the moment, actually, I turned to Nikon and I went, he has just said what I was going to say in a few weeks' time. And I was like, well, I've got to find something else to talk about. But this, this, is what he, this is what he said. This is what he said. It may be this morning that you say, I'm not really facing any challenges in my life right now. That's great. That's absolutely wonderful. You can have some of mine. You can stand with me and face the things that I'm facing because you know that when you come to face your challenges, I'll be there to stand with you. What am I saying, that you can't do it on your own? That is exactly what I'm saying. God put you in a body so that we can stand with you and we can join our faith with your faith. Sometimes I think God gives us these challenges that we need someone else to stand with us to force us to give up our independence. Most of us are extremely independent and self-sufficient. Thank you very much. That is our natural disposition. The natural disposition of heaven is to say, I'm so codependent on everybody else that I won't be able to make it unless we make it together. I'm not going to be able to go all the way God wants me to go unless I do it with the help of others. The body is built up with that which each joint supplies. Thank you, Andrew, for that. I strongly believe that that was God talking directly through to Andrew into the situation that we currently have inside of our body. For me, I, I, it, was, it was quite incredible what you brought that, what, that day. And that's, for me, where I want to start. The end of what Andrew talked about is actually a piece of scripture. It comes from Ephesians 4. So if you could turn there now, that would be great. I'll be reading this part of scripture in the NASB, but in general, it will probably come from the Holman Christian, unless I say so, and I might miss one, but so I'm sorry. It is from the Bible, all of it. <laughs> so Ephesians 4, 1 says this. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to per- preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you are called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, a captive, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming, but in speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, 
even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's an incredible part of Scripture, and we're not going to go back to all of it because there's a lot there, but it's very, very important because it describes the fact that Jesus both obviously descended, ascended, and they gave some very specific gifts to the church of apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. However, if you look slightly more closely at the headlines of this passage, when we talk about Ephesians 4, we're normally talking about Ephesians 4 ministries. The body has a huge part to play in what that is, a huge part, and actually... If you look at it, we don't get there unless we all get there. And if that means we have a responsibility to make sure that we all get there, it isn't down to the Ephesians 4 ministries to help us. They have, a, they have very specific gifts to bring to us as a body. But ultimately, the body has a very great responsibility in that process. Verse 16 says that the whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. It's not a nice-to-have unity. It's, it's, not, it's not a nice-to-have. It's a prerequisite to, to almost Jesus coming home. If we are presenting him with a, a flawless bride of us in unity and perfectly clean, that means we have to actually be in unity and perfectly clean. There's no room for superstar individuals. There's actually, I see, I, the only person who I see who did, who did it on his own was Jesus. And, and even then, obviously, he had, he had many things backing him. But past that, there is very little that we do on our own. We don't have room for Messi to go and score all the goals and then we'll get pride of Christ. Like, we, we really are together in this. And if we're together in this, that means we need to check how each other is doing. And we need to help them on their way. And it was brilliant today. We've welcomed a lot of members in the last week. How many was it that week? Something like 20 or something. 21. It's John and Margaret. Could you stand, just stand for a second? Sorry. It's only because I've learned your names now, so it's in my head. The John and Margaret who have joined this church, they now have a responsibility to me. And I have a responsibility to you to encourage you to attain the matureness, the level of which is set by, by Christ himself. Yeah. You join this body, you are, we are now intrinsically linked to be able to achieve that. Yes, the wider church as a whole, but when you join a local expression of the church, thank you so much, the, um, when you join a local expression of the church, you're actually investing a huge responsibility in that. You are, when you see belonging, you are saying, I sign up to this, and I sign up to this, and I sign up to this, and I'm going to trust you as our elders to then look over us in, 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 so that we are accountable to you in authority. It's a big investment joining a church. And not that I would ever be happy that it took you 20 years to find your home, but now you know you found it. You understand the responsibility of joining. And we all know the responsibility that we now have to you. In the, in the steel mill we used to work in, I used to work in, we used to have a system called Brother's Keeper. And what that meant was before you went out onto the shop floor, you had to check each other's PPE to make sure that you all had the correct safety equipment. So I would look you up and down. Do you have a helmet? Do you have ear protection? Do you have eye protection? Is your collar done up? Is your hair inside your collar? Is your, is your zip done up at the front? Are your Velcros done? Do you, have, do you have the correct trousers on and do you have your boots? And you would be amazed at the amount we caught. Very experienced people going out onto the mill every single day. We caught things in people. And we are to be the same. If I'm standing in a line with you, 
in the army of God, in the body of Christ. I want to know your breastplate is done up properly. I want to know your sword is sharp. And if it's not sharp, I'm going to get down with you and help you sharpen your sword. Because I can't afford to stand next to someone who isn't coming up to the unity of faith. But with that, it means we need to be humble enough to explain when things aren't going well. We simply can't do it on our own. We can't do it all on our own. And there's something that Andrew said. It's, it's, yeah, sometimes stuff does come along which you can't do on your own. And you can't. And we're not here to do it on our own. We're, we're here to be put into a body and fed and watered and grow together and make sure that we all get there. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about this point too, and I, I had it in my mind instantly, and I thought, I can't say that, but then eventually I am going to say it. So, um, <laughs> the, uh oh, yeah, everyone is suddenly on, front rows on there. Um, no, but, but, but simply this, it, it's not a sin to be honest about where your faith is. God knows. Like, <laughs> so I don't know who you're trying to hide it from, but if your faith is at a level and you don't believe for something, there's no sin in that. It's actually just humility in being able to explain that you're not at that point yet. Very good point, Chris. Thank you. So if you could just turn to two kings with me, there's a very well-known story about our good friend Elisha. And sorry, while I read this, I may say Elijah, but you know I mean Elisha. So 2 Kings 6, we'll start at 15. Just to set the scene, the king of Aram is annoyed at the fact that God is telling Elisha all of his tactics, and Elisha is just going and telling the king of Israel everything that the king of Aram is saying. Some, I think one of his advisors even says to him, anything you say in your bedroom or something like that, God knows, and he tells, he tells Elisha. So at this point, he's quite annoyed, and the Bible says he sends horses and chariots, and you're like, well, that's quite serious, and a massive army. So at this point, we've got Elisha, and as far as I can see, an unnamed servant who, who plays quite a good role in the story. Um, and it says this, we'll start at 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? Now, I'm not sure he said it like that, but the, um, I, I think you'd be a lot more worried. It's one of these things that you like to zoom in on the, on the story and think, like, oh, what actually did he say? The same with like, the fifth time that Elijah's rain servant went back for the clouds. Like, it would be great to see what actually the mood was like. <laughs> oh, my master, what are we to do? Elisha said, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Arameans came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, please strike this nation with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, according to Elisha's words. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Now, I googled it, and that's 12 miles, and that's quite amazing. So not only did they come at Elisha, he prays, they get blind, and then he leads an army 12 miles away, which is, quite, frankly, that's ridiculous. I don't know if we sometimes forget that part of the story. It wasn't just the fact that there was an angel army around. When they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open these men's eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes. They looked, and they discovered they're in Samaria. 
When the king of Israel saw them, he said, Elisha, my father, should I kill them? I will kill them. Elisha said, don't kill them. Don't you, do you kill those who have captured with your sword and your bow? Set food and water in front of them so they can eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. When they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. The Aramean, Aramean riders never came into Israel's land again. Now, I am sure that all of us have felt like that servant before. <laughs> You've walked out your house in a day and circumstances just hit you in the face. Yeah. Now, what I really like to see is when you go back to certain stories of the Bible, you start to see things that you didn't see before, you didn't understand, or you didn't... I mean, our kids' leaders are incredible, but you, you take the memory of what they did, and often you think about Jericho and different things. But when you go back to them, you actually see some proper fresh bread. And I saw a very mature reaction from Elisha, bearing in mind the situation. And what Elisha said to him, he said, don't be afraid, for those who outnumber us are those with them. So the servant came with a problem, and Elisha said what he knew to be true, which was that God's army is bigger than their army. Now, he didn't leave it at that point. He went straight away and prayed for him. And this servant, I would say panicking at this point, not only did he get the truth of what God had said and done, the army was there, but he then saw it because Elisha prayed for him. And for me, that's a very mature response. Josh, could you just come and stand wherever you want down here? Now, Josh is in a circumstance right now. I don't know what that means. Let's say he's surrounded by an Aramean army. And can you imagine if all we did was like run past people and like throw Bible verses at them? I can clearly see Josh in his circumstance here. I can clearly, I'm about my day, I'm a busy guy, whatever, and I can see Josh in this terrible situation. More than conquerors. I'm not sure that's helped Josh very much. It's truth, it's true, but is that all we should be doing? If Elisha just said, don't worry, God's in control, that's not what he said. He gave, the, he gave the truth. He knew what was true, and he knew what had happened, what was happening. Josh now knows he's been thrown, Bible verses hit him. We are more than conquerors. But I'm not sure that's my, is my responsibility in the body to just throw verses out without context, without prayer, without getting down with them. So the difference between that and me going, Josh, Josh, you're clearly in a circumstance right now. There's an Aramean army here. <laughs> and, maybe, and, may, and maybe I could come next to him and say, you know what, I've been, I've been praying for you. Thanks. And Romans 8 says this, and I'm believing it for you in your situation. Yeah. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors yeah, through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The difference is that we've stopped being surface level acquaintances, throwing soundbite Bible verses at each other, and I've come into where he is, and I've stood with him, I've sought the Lord, and I've, I've given... I'm standing with him, and I'm not only bringing him the truth, which is the scripture, but I'm now here, and I'm praying with him, and I'm using what I would say is my responsibility, oops, sorry, next to him, in the body. Thank you, Josh. Do you see there's a difference between quite surface level 
Bible knowledge that you can give out to people, and it doesn't actually require you to know them very well. Josh looked like he was in a bad situation, so I'll throw him something from one of the things that I've read this week. It's something actually that's quite deeper. And obviously the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that runs through all of us. And there really are times where I have felt like the servant. Um, this start of the year has been a crazy roller coaster for me and my family as a whole. Uh, we've had job offers, the same jobs then withdrawn. Uh, we've had promotions, wage rises, health challenges, far too many hospital visits, salvations, deaths of dear friends and family, severely stressful situations inside and outside the workplace, houses gifted to us, money appearing at exactly the right time. We have had our circumstances. We have left the city and seen an Aramean army more than once. But Chris, a few weeks ago, he said this, do you know what, do you know what, faith faces facts. Full on, not side on, but full on. Faith faces facts. And sometimes we do, we do step outside of our of our houses, of, of, you go to the city boundary and you see what is really there and that doesn't change. Like, that, these things are real, the things put in front of us. That brilliant testimony earlier of a man who got to go and come back from Hinkley FC yeah. and they prayed and the doctors had said very clear circumstances to them and they said, look, we've got to get through this. And I thought, was it Mike and Helen? Yeah. And, Helen and Helen felt, this isn't his time, so I'm going to pray against it. Circumstance was clear. Faith faced it head on, and they brought the truth of what God had. I really have lost track of the amount of times that I've resorted to a very specific prayer method, and I'll try and get this like as close to the true Greek as I can as possible, and that is tongues and tears. (laughs) Well, that didn't go well. Um, (laughs) The... You... You... You know the point at which you don't have enough faith to pray the words and you don't know what to pray and you don't know what to do and the, the circumstance is staring you straight in the face and you have nothing left to do and for me, I resort to tongues and tears because I don't know how else to do it and it's normally very early in the morning and it's in my car and I'm singing worship songs and I don't know what to pray. And I think... Even if you have lots of people in your life, you can, these situations can leave you quite lonely and on your own. And it's very easy for us to say that we're doing okay, especially, well, look, we're, we're God-fearing, spirit-filled people. We should be fine. We should be absolutely fine. The problem is that when pride creeps in, yeah. instead of our humility, pride by its nature is, is separatory yeah. because pride is inward. It thinks about ourselves, and if we think about ourselves, we're certainly not thinking about the body, we're certainly not thinking about God, we think about us and our situation. And I, I, as I was preparing this, I wanted to be quite honest with you and say, I, I think I experienced this this year. I went through an ultra-stressful period at work, and, and my line, and David and Richard have heard this, I've said this to them both, I know I have, and I've said, basically, I'm, a, I'm immune, I'm immune to stress. I don't feel it. And I found myself in a position where I was, I was under the cosh, in every way, we weren't meeting our targets with the investors. Our employees weren't happy. The product wasn't where it needed to be. And I thought, you know what, Ben? This comes with a position. You need to just deal with it. You're a machine. You can get through it. 
And instead of being honest with my wife, my friends, my family, I just kept, I just kept going. And what I realized, only looking back, is that I lost my joy. Like, and, I lo- and for me, that's almost my hallmark. And I know when I lose my joy, and it took me, and I have some very good friends in this room, people that are willing to stand up and say to me the truth. And it took Mike sitting in front of a Starbucks with me, and Mike said to me, he said, how are you? And I said, I'm not good. And he said, I know, because you pulled away. And I was like, wow. And in that moment, God reminded me of a promise that he made me five years ago. We're in a meeting in Cardiff, and Kerry said, if you don't have a promise, God will give you one. And God spoke to me so clearly, and he said this, Ben, I will never leave you in a sinking ship. And for me, at the time, that meant God saying this to me, Ben, I'm never going to leave you in a company that's going to go under. And what had happened at that time is my company was heavily leveraged, like, like billions of euros in debt, my corporation that I worked in. And they broke European market records of multi-billion euro financing, the likes that have barely ever been seen in Europe and had never been seen in Spain, and they made it through. Now, is that because of me? God gave me a promise, and no market, no financier, no bank was getting in the way of me being left in a company. Now, if the company had gone under, I think God would have got me out. But as God wanted me there, the company stayed alive. And not only did they do that, they broke the records again four years later, so they're now, they've now done the next biggest refinancing deal. There is nothing too big for God to do, especially when his word has come to you, especially. So I'm sitting in a Starbucks in Ashby de la Zouche, and Mike has told me that I've pulled back, and God instantly reminds me of a promise that changes my mindset totally. Because I realized that I'd been doing everything on my own. If you hear what I'd been saying about my emotions, it was me, it was I, we weren't doing well enough, I wasn't being a good enough manager, the people weren't good enough, it was up to me, what could I do, can I carry it all on my back? No, I can't. And as Andrew said, our natural state is to be so codependent that we couldn't possibly do it unless we're doing it together. We've all got to get to the end together. The God of eternity reminded me of a promise he had made. But it was because someone from the body stood next to me and directed me. And I'm sure Mike said a lot of other things that day. But what I know is I can trust Mike to bring me truth about what God is, even if I don't necessarily enjoy it. I have someone, a joint in the body, a strong joint, who's able to come to me and say, you know what? This is what the scripture says about you. This is what the promises you told me God has over your life, and I'm going to stand there with you. And yeah, faith faces facts. Faith really does face facts, square on. But the problem is when you look at your circumstance and you describe it in extreme detail, is that sometimes you get wrapped up in what that circumstance is instead of looking up. And if if you're going to face your circumstances square on, understand the detail in depth, you better be ready for a second phase of your sentence, a second clause, as it were. And that, that needs to start with, but God. And there isn't. There is no sin being honest about the level of your faith. 
but you must wrap it off with saying what God is and raising your standard and your eyes back to what this says about us and where we are. There is an army surrounding a whole city, and it's me and a man in a house, and we stand no chance. But God said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. My body is as good as dead. My wife is barren. There is no way we are able to have children. But God said, as for me, my covenant with you, you will become the father of many nations. Our bank statement that says we cannot afford to tithe. But God said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I cannot sleep at night. I am plagued by what is happening in my life and it is robbing me of my rest. No amount of chamomile tea, melatonin, baths before bed is working. No, and people really struggle with it. This is huge. But God says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be pleasant. Sometimes it can be incredibly hard to say the but God. It really can be. And you, sometimes you may not believe it. You can sometimes know the words that are written in here more than you believe them. And that's quite, that's quite a difficult situation to be in. And it would be fatal if we weren't planted into a body of people who are responsible for us. That's where the body steps in to come alongside you and say, this is what the word says about you. This is what I'm going to believe about your situation. I'm going to stand with you and encourage you because we don't finish this race unless we finish it together. Will encouraged us by bringing a prophetic word at the end of what he brought at the other Sunday. And he said this, he said, there are people who need to have the faith to get upon the altar. If you can't do that, then you need to be like Isaac and find yourself an Abraham. Could you look to the person next to you and say, this is where I need you. At this point, this is where we, we really need each other. This is when the body really activates itself. To paraphrase what Will said, always dangerous, some of us may need to find an Elisha, but some of us too often revert to the position of the servant when God needs us to be the Elisha. Now, I really want, I won't put this on you, but I'll say what I really want. I really want to be a strong, faithful joint in this body. I want you to be able to say, Ben will stand with you if you're facing a challenge. Ben will say he will pray for you on a Sunday, and he'll go to war for you on a Monday night. You may not have the faith to say, but God, but Ben will remind you about what God has to say about you, to bring a reamer word for your situation, to keep praying and believing, even if it seems to get worse before God brings his fulfillment. That's what I want people to be able to say about me. And in this body, I believe that's what we all need to be able to say about each other. If I'm trusting you to stand side by side with me, I want us to make sure our armor's on properly. But if it's not, I want you to be humble enough to say you've got a problem. And I want to be humble enough to explain that I've got one too, but then step in with you. 
It said in Ephesians, it said, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We are all needed and we are all necessary to the growth of this body. There are no, there are no exceptions. There are no like easy tickets. There's no easy mode. There's no, you've been let off. Like, you are part of this. You have a responsibility. Everyone here. I just want to make one thing clear. I missed it earlier. The, there are people here who are going through challenges and they've not said anything about it yeah. to the people here. Right. And I'll say it out loud because you, you, you are allowed to lean on the people in this room and humble yourself to be able to say, you know what, I'm going through this and I really need you to help me. I need you to remind me of what my book God is. And I know, I know there are people here who are going through those things on their own. And it, it will feel horrible. It really will. But so maybe it's pride. Maybe it's another thing that's stopping you. But I'd really implore you, don't leave it today. There's enough of us in one room to stop that cycle of you dealing with it on your own. Every year, our extended family creates a prayer list. Every year. We've done it for many years now. And we have a, we're getting quite large. It's quite hard to logistically get everyone in the same room, in the same place, at the same time. And it's a time of year when we share about what God has done. And it's quite brilliant because we get to say and describe and remember all the things that God has done. And we also get to say what we're believing in for the next year. And there have been incredible situations that I believe have turned because we've come together and prayed about it. At this point, we have, I would say, and they can all our men, we have seen literally hundreds of testimonies, hundreds of answered prayers. God has brought husbands to people that didn't have husbands. He's sold houses. He's drawn people close to them and he's saved them. Businesses have been invested in. There's been health improvements, new jobs, direction, wisdom. It literally runs over what God has done and what we have seen God do. And let me say to them also while they're in the room, there's nothing special about us. Nothing. Now, we could go into the biblical things of generation to generation and there being a blessing, and there is. But Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. For me, it's quite astounding, and I think you read through that story of Elisha, and there's just bits just like, they're almost throwaway, and it says this, 2 Kings 6, you don't need to turn back there, it says, when the Arameans came against him, when the army came for him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, didn't run, please strike this nation with blindness. So he, God, struck them with blindness according to Elisha's word. Wow. If I can say this before I start to close, prayer has an ability to move God's hand. And we are blessed as people who have been saved, to have direct access to that throne room. Direct access to go to war on behalf of ourselves, but more importantly, on behalf of the body of Christ. That is a true privilege. We're in the king's court and we're able to pray that he would extend his hand over a situation. And if God has said something, no matter the impossibility, no matter if it's involved financial markets, the laws of physics, 
medical impossibilities, if he has said it, there is nothing that the creator of the universe will not do, the God of eternity, the Lord and Lord, the King of kings, to ensure that the word does not return to him null and void. So if there's one thing that I want you to walk out with today, they'd say in Spanish, un regalito, a little present, is that we have a huge responsibility to the people to the left and the right of us. And yes, it's a, it's a responsibility to be humble, it's a responsibility to be a brother's keeper. It's a responsibility to step into a circumstance when we see and not throw a wish-wash Bible verse. We have a huge responsibility to each other and to be strong joints. Could you stand with me? And could you, and this might require some jiggling of poor word, um, but could you try and hold hands with as many people as possible? Well, clearly two people, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and I just, I just want to pray for us as a body. Lord, I want to thank you that you have planted me and everyone who is a member of Living Rock Church together in the wider body of Christ. And Psalm 133, it says this. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It's like fine oil on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, the tallest mountain in the region, noted for its abundant precipitation falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing. Life forevermore. Will's just going to lead us in a song together. Hold hands for however long it feels natural for. But the, I really, it's, it's incredibly important that we do understand what it means to be a part of this body. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.